Wake up, NHL fans. It is Wednesday alongside Kobe Cohen. Just kidding. He's not here. I'm your host, Johnny Lazarus. Kobe will be joining any minute, but this is your morning cup of hockey brought to you by Seagram's VO, select Canadian whiskey, artfully blended and impeccably crafted. Make it your very own. The Nation Network of Podcasts will be live from the Seagram's VO Whiskey Studio at the Fairmont Royal York as part of the All-Star Weekend festivities, February 1st and 2nd. Colby and I will actually be heading to Toronto after today's show. So we're going to be live from the 6th tomorrow for All-Star Weekend. A lot of fun things planned. It's going to be an awesome, awesome time. So I'm really excited. And on today's show, we're going to talk about All-Star Weekend and what to expect in the skills competition. And then we're going to talk about the Detroit Red Wings and Patrick Kane being set to return after the break. The Red Wings are 7-2-1 in their last 10 games. And for some reason, they're playing tonight against the Ottawa Senators. And there's two other NHL games tonight. The night before All-Star break starts, I cannot believe that that's actually a thing, but it is. And if anyone saw last night's NHL games, hopefully it's not as boring as it was last night. I mean, the Kraken being shut out against the Sharks and the Blues being shut out against the Blue Jackets. What a weird night in the NHL. But before Colby does get here, uh, I do want to shout him out. Colby did the Northeastern versus BU broadcast last night for Nesson at Northeastern. That's that's why he's running a little bit late this morning. He's stuck in traffic. He flew at like 6 a.m. this morning. So uh, he got a little held up there. But um, I'll probably be too scared to give him shit when he hops on. So I'm just going to say it now. Uh, let's take some questions in the chat before Colby does get here. And I'm seeing a lot, actually. So thank you guys for writing because it's really helping me out here. But uh, the first one I'll take, and that's actually from the Daily Faceoff. Question number one. Oh, it's where's your co-host? Uh, I just explained that. And then what's your favorite All-Star Game memory? Um, and for me personally, I don't remember what year it was, but it was the year where Marion Gabrick scored on Henrik Lundqvist. I think it was in Ottawa and then did like the Artem Anisimov shooting celebration that Anisimov did earlier that year. Um, I'm a New York Rangers fan for people that don't know and haven't been following. So, uh, I loved that little Marion Gabrick joke that he made after, um, the Artem Anisimov celly that went pretty viral back in the day, um, which I imagine if that happened today, it'd be way more viral. Um, Ethan Zaretsky, I have a question. What is everyone most excited for during this year's all-star game? I don't know about anybody else, but I think I would say I'm most excited for the draft. Uh, I think that's when a lot of the personality comes out. And obviously there's some celebrity co-captains like Tate McRae, Justin Bieber, Michael Buble, uh, Will Arnett, who are great personalities, um, that I personally love. I know a lot of people aren't familiar with Tate McRae. I think she's actually really cool. She's like an up and coming pop star. I mean, up and coming might be an insult, actually. She basically already is a huge pop star and a huge success. So I think a lot of NHL fans will become familiar with her uh, this weekend. Um, so I'm really looking forward to the draft. I think that's you know where most of the fun is had. It's guys that are you know kind of loose. They're allowed to be themselves a little bit. Um, and hopefully they don't have to like force that personality, which is, which is good to see the celebrities taking part. Because I think Justin Bieber will be, you know, obviously the biggest hit in the draft. And, uh, you know, I love Will Arnett. Michael Buble and Tate. So it should be a lot of fun, but uh, look who's here. Kobe Cohen is joining the show straight from traffic. Um, thank you for saving me. Cause I couldn't have talked to myself for much longer. Uh, how was the game last night, dude? It was a pretty wild one. You are the king of talking to yourself. You have conversations. In group chats, yourself. <laughs> you have conversations with yourself in my text messages all the time because <laughs> I don't respond to 90% of it. So uh, I think that that's bullshit that you don't like <laughs> to talk to yourself. But um, yes, a lot of flight issues this morning. I had my first flight of the day at 5 a.m. I got on, 
We sat there for an hour. They were fixing a maintenance issue. Uh, they said we were going to be good. Then they said we weren't. Then they deplaned us. Mm -hmm. Then they said two hours till a new plane. And I got another flight. That flight was then we got on. We pushed back another maintenance issue. So um, definitely a rough day, I would say. A lot of adversity this morning. But fun game to call last night between BU and Northeastern. We've highlighted on this show how many star players uh, BU have. And, and Celebrini, Hudson, those guys did not disappoint in the mm -hmm. game last night. And at the end of the game, I mean, a really oh. horrifying refing horse decision. Call. They called a too many men penalty in three on three overtime. And we froze it on the broadcast. I mean, it, they got uh, Lane Hudson jumps over the boards, ch changing for Tom Willander to, you know, Willander being the 11th, 12th overall for Vancouver. And he was a foot from the bench, a foot. Mm -hmm. And neither Willander or Hudson touched the puck. I mean, it was a bad call. Like I was, I, I was like looking for it. I couldn't find it because it was so subtle. Um, so it was, it was disappointing to see officials ruin a great game because it was a great game. So yeah. Um, enough about me. Thanks for carrying the show for a little bit. Uh, oh no, I, I have one more question it. for you. I have one more question for you. What stupid text, question do you have you, for me? You texted our group chat. I realized I hated Johnny during the second intermission last night, and then you just didn't answer. So I'm curious why you hate me. <laughs> no reason in particular, just normal stuff. I just was sitting there killing time between the second and the third period. And I was just saying, <laughs> couldn't, I can't believe I have to continue to work with this guy tomorrow morning. I was just dreading it because I was having such a good time calling the game with Clay Matvick. I thought you had a specific reason because I tweeted about Capo Caco last night. So I thought you were just going to shit on me for that. But I wanted to ask you because we do have a question. Um, I think about Capococco in the chat. Let me just double check. I thought I saw that. Yeah. Uh, pizza sports guy question for NYR for Johnny. What would be an acceptable return if they move Caco? Um, so I kind of want to talk about it because there's a lot of chatter now about Caco's name being talked about as far as trade rumors go. And listen, I think there is a lot of hope and a lot of upside for Capococco's game, but you know, sometimes players like this, they're, identified as a third line bottom six guy with minimal power play opportunity. And that's not what Capo Caco wants for himself. Uh, I spoke about it a little bit last night where, you know, this is a guy who at the end of last year, he spoke up. He said, I want to play top six. I want to play power play time. And he hasn't been getting that this year. And it doesn't seem like his career with the Rangers is going to progress into that. And I think while they have a chance to get rid of him now, you got to get a guy who's in their prime age. Colby, we talked about it two days ago about Philip Hedl. You know, the Rangers only had one forward between the ages of 24 to 29. If the Rangers can trade Capo Caco and get someone that has a little bit of term to their contract in that ballpark of age, like that's going to benefit the Rangers more than getting rid of a first round pick for a rental. Like that's all I was trying to explain on Twitter last night. And people were kind of insinuating that I wanted to trade Capo Caco, which I don't. I think Capo Caco is a great third line player. And I think he will make to be a great third line player if he sticks it out with the Rangers. But I also think you know, this is a guy who has shown skill. He's shown some upside and shown he can be an effective first line guy, but I think he might need a better fit. And I just wanted to hear your thoughts on what the Rangers can get in return for a second overall pick. Yeah. Well, first off, I think you have to basically ditch the second overall pick tag. I, I do. I think at this point, the guy who drafted Capo Caco is no longer the general manager. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that, that changes everything. Um, when you're talking about prospects, I lived that as a prospect getting traded. The guy who signed me is a different guy who drafted me. 
Um, and, and then the guy who traded for me got fired in, in Boston. So these things matter because when, when you matter to someone's job, um, Loyalty. You, you, you're treated a little bit differently, right? Because mm-hmm. of how things may look. So I think Ranger fans should, should really realize that you, you can't really look at Kako Capo as a number two overall pick anymore. It's too far. What year was he, was he number two? 2019. Right. So we're, we're in, we're five years from that, you know, coming yeah. into 2024. So I think you just have to think about the fact that he, he's kind of this middle six prospect now. Um, you it's know, actually a great point that you make. It's a great point. Mid, middle six NHL player. He's not a prospect anymore. He's an NHLer. Okay. This isn't an American league player. This isn't, this is an NHL player, but it's a middle six NHL player. And, you know, I know people get, get, tied up on what overall did you go? When did you go? But again, new general manager uh, in town, new head coach, like new everything. You know what I mean? So I think that they have to really identify, um, you know, what they see his fit as and do they see him as a guy who can really contribute and help them win for the next little while, or they need to think about when is his stock ever going to be higher? And maybe that's right now. Maybe his stock is high right now. Um, and, and maybe there's not. not a lot of not a lot of noise. Well, I'm saying yeah. for him. Yeah, like, highest for him. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what I mean. Like, I, yeah. I like when is he ever going to be more valuable? And then you kind of have to make a decision, weigh the pros and cons, see what you need. Look, I'm concerned about the New York Rangers because the New York Rangers you know, they, 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 they didn't miss, but like they didn't land big time players, number one and number two overall two years in a row. And, and I know Lafreniere looks like he's got more promise and he's going to be a top six player, you know, maybe a second liner, but whatever, like he's still going to produce. So I I think that now would be a totally fine time to walk away from Capo. If, if you're getting something that you need to try to win right now, I, I wouldn't, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily walk away from it, but I also, I'm not sure I'd trade him for a rental. No, you know, definitely, not. I, definitely not. I don't think the Rangers have a very big window, Johnny. I really I don't. don't. You, you hit me with that stat on our show the other day about how Hedl was the only guy in that window of age. So mm-hmm. you've got extreme youth and then you've got kind of, you know, o- older legs. Right. And, and so you know, we see how they're dropping off the second part of the season. Maybe they're tired. They look a lot slower. We saw them look slow against the youthful devils last year. The, it's getting really late early for, for the New York Rangers. And and like I said, I, I think if, if you can move Kako and you could potentially get a guy like him from another organization, maybe do a fresh start swap type of yeah. move. Um, you know, we saw that with Nito Niederreiter earlier in his career. We We... You know, we've just seen that with guys over the course of time that were underperforming first round picks. Ryan Hartman took him a couple of different stops till he figured it out as a first round pick. So um, I wouldn't be married to Capo. And I also would stop calling him the second overall pick because he's really not that anymore. That's that's gone. No, I I love that point you made, honestly, and I really agree. And I actually referenced Don LaGreca talking about this a few weeks ago, maybe even two months ago. Um, he went on a full blown rant about the New York Jets and how they're attached to Zach Wilson being that I think second overall pick and something like that. But as sports fans, I think we're guilty of it all the time too of holding on to that for so long. Whereas you look at a guy like Adam Fox, who's a third round pick, playing like a second overall pick. You know, you don't see people talking about that, right? Like, oh my God, we got this guy, and you know, he he's 
if if Capo Caco and Adam Fox swap draft positions, I don't think anyone's like talking about it or raising an eyebrow, right? Like it's just kind of is that not true? Yeah, but but listen, it's also fair to the fans. Like this yeah. guy was drafted second overall. He was billed as a superstar. Yeah. Um, you know, you you pick one and two. Look at the difference between what the Penguins did with their first and second overall picks. And what the, you know, all those years ago when they got Crosby and then they got Malkin or Malkin and then Crosby. And again, I get it. Like, this is what was available. These guys were pretty consensus types of players in those spots. But that hurts, man. You've got two years where you're that dreadful, where you go number one and number two overall. And I know a little of it was circumstantial. Um, you, 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 those, those misses are crucial. So yeah. Uh, drop drop the tag with Capo. You know, you you get to keep your draft tag, you know, maybe for two years, maybe. You know what I mean? But if you're in the NHL for that many years that he's been in now, you're you're no longer the second overall pick. You're just Capo Caco, the guy who's a middle six player um, on the New York Rangers. I actually couldn't agree more with you. Um, to change topics, we do have a good question from Jeremiah Maxwell in the chat. Can you please ask Colby on his thought about Northeastern's captain? I thought his game was great. Does he get a shot in the NHL? Thoughts? Uh, I assume he's talking about Justin Rascovian. Um, yeah, I, I think so. Winner, I think right? there's game winner? what game winning. Yeah, no, Dylan, his his oh, younger Dylan. brother had the tip uh, for the game winner, but I like Rascovian. Like he really reminds me of of Ryan O'Reilly and and Jeremiah. I know you'll appreciate this because I know you consume, you know, DFO live a lot of days of the week, if not every day. Uh, John Goyans, who who does the coaches room segment on DFO live was his midget coach. And he told me last year, the year before this kid reminded him of Ryan O'Reilly. And then you watch him play last night and, and Ritzkovian was really complete all over the ice. I mean, ton of good defensive plays, ton of good back checks, a couple good blocks we highlighted. You know, and then he figures in offensively and, and he's and he's dynamic. So I really liked him last night. And I also liked the kid Vinny Borghese, the undrafted sophomore captain for uh for Northeastern. Little guy, five foot eight. Um, not sure yet if he's gonna be an NHL prospect, but he sure as hell is a good uh college defenseman right now and and should get a chance at at some level of pro. So so we'll see. Be you skidding here, huh? Three in a row, three straight losses. Yeah. They did this last year and they lost in the first round of the bean pot to Northeastern. So we'll see, look, they've got a lot of talent. Um, they really do. I, I think they, they, you know, you, you could see it at times in that game. I think they carried 75% of that hockey game last night, but Northeastern took care of the power play. I think they had a game winner was an overtime, a power play goal. And then they had, I think two uh, power play goals during the game. So um, they're not a bad team. They're, they're, better than their record would tell you. Yeah. Never an easy game in hockey. So everyone knows that. But before you hopped in, Colby, we were kind of talking about the all-star weekend and how everything's shaping up to be. Uh, the draft is obviously Thursday. I want to ask you your thoughts on the all-star draft. Is that what you're looking forward to most this weekend or, or anything else stand out to you? You know, um, I think the draft, it, it kind of will be funny potentially, but I also think NHL players are so like paranoid of like having personality and yeah. showing any personality that I think the draft will probably like go as you'd expect. Like, I think if we looked at who's picking and then like who is available, they're going to pick like their teammate first, you know, like the, 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 the Toronto guys are all going to probably end up, you know, getting picked as Matthews is one of the captains, isn't he? Yeah. So he, 
he Matthews is going to, is going to pick, you know, all those guys. And I think Quinn Hughes is going to pick his guys from Vancouver. So I like, I'm unsure if we'll see a lot of, um, you know, a, a lot of excitement there, but I, I think the the skills competition could be interesting this year because they're doing, they're kind of going back to some of those like OG events that mm-hmm. are, are really entertaining to watch. And I just think that McDavid and McKinnon is just kind of an interesting matchup, like one-on-one, um, you know, because they're, those guys are just so unique in the skill sets that they have. And, and, you know, I think that should be pretty good, but look, I, I just kind of hope the games are better. Like I, I, I don't, expect them to be but i do kind of hold out hope and remember back to like those all-star games in like the mid 90s 95 96 97 98 where it was so competitive and and i remember like ronick was throwing the body around a little bit and and so i kind of hope we see a little bit of that although i'm not expecting to but um yeah we'll we'll see how it goes i think look it's toronto i think toronto is is a a big hockey town as we know um so i think they'll put on a good show i bet there'll be a lot of great other events happening around all-star break, you know, that or excuse me around the all-star game that that will be entertaining for people. I've got a hot take about the skills competition. Okay. If you're ready to call me an idiot, I think Matt Barzal is going to win it. He's, he's the late, the late uh, addition yesterday when Jack Hughes announced he won't be participating. They add Matt Barzal, Matt Barzal won the fastest skater a couple of years ago when he was in the all-star weekend. He's got an incredible skill set. I, I really feel like he could be a guy that, walks away with this thing and he has that chip on his shoulder of not being initially included. I don't know. I think it could be uh, an interesting one. Yeah. Listen, that's uh, I guess that's why he makes nine and a half million dollars because he yeah. certainly doesn't do it to help his team win playoffs. Series. <laughs> yeah. So uh, hopefully he can shine in, in the all in the uh, in the all-star skills competition. And just on top of that as well, Jesper Brett is replacing Jack Hughes. Frank Sarabelli and I talked about that yesterday, whether Jack Hughes should play or not. And that decision came out. A little bit later, I think it's obviously. Yeah. Well, I best. totally agree. I totally yeah. agreed with Frank on that. By the way, I was obviously on the plane chirping you guys in the chat the whole time. Yeah. But uh, Frank, Frank was dead right. I mean, the, there's no way you can put that guy in the All Star game having not played. And your theory of it being like a pregame, well, if he was playing like a warm up skate, if he was I mean, joining the team after. It doesn't you don't matter. Think so? It still doesn't matter. No, I don't think so. Not even one percent. Like I, I, I. I don't know if you truly believe or think that, or you're just saying that to take the other no, no, point I, on this, I, but I it's really that. stupid. It's just really dumb. I, I, I like can't get my mind to think that somebody who fun. played high level hockey and who's played three on three and who's done all that shit, like probably with your teams at UMass, like if you're a healthy scratch, you play a little three on three <laughs> and this and that. And I'm not even doing that to slight you. I, I, I was a healthy scratch my entire, every time I got called up to the NHL, I was a, I was a suit. So um, I, I just some shocked somebody who's played the game at a high level would think that way. Cause honestly, I wouldn't, I, I think that's a really stupid take. I wouldn't compare the NHL all-star game to a bag skate three on three where you're trying and I like work hard in front of your coach. <laughs> right. But I, it's not even what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about like you shinny three on three, like just any type of three on three. You, that's you what have, it's going to be. Yeah, but you have these big human beings who do things at a high pace. Like what happens when two guys clip each other by accident or one guy blows a wheel and takes the other guy out? That's why he can't play in an all-star game. What happens when he steps into a five-on-five game? That's fine. That's what he's being paid. How much does he make? $9 million a year? 
That's what he's being paid to do, not be at the all-star game. Like, you know, you, you lose a player in a game, it's one thing. But to, if you lost a player, like, again, if, unless you can guarantee with 100% certainty, you should not play. It's a terrible look, and there's no way to guarantee it. So um, I think you're an idiot on that one. I really do. I can't believe you're, you're, you're trying to even, like... No, I'm, I'm still going to stand my ground on that one, but uh, we can agree to disagree. Before... So before you hopped on, I gave my favorite all-star memory, which was Marion Gabrick doing like the, the shooting thing to Henrik Lundqvist, like after Artem Anisimov did it in a game against Tampa Bay Lightning. I, I had a hard time like remembering specific all-star moments. Like the only other one that really stands out to me is John Scott scoring the hat trick. Um, like, like what else? Is there anything that comes to mind for you for like a favorite moment? Yeah, um, I remember when Owen Nolan um, against Dominic Hasek pointed where he was going to shoot uh, on a breakaway and look at that. We got this teed up already. Now this is, this is some serious, uh, producing right here by our man Vic, because we didn't even talk about this before the show. Um, but you see him point on Hashik. I'm pretty sure this was for a hat trick and mm-hmm. Hashik had stopped him like three or four times. Also, those jerseys are sick. Yeah. The, the, the East first West jerseys are sick. The game was still five on five at the time. Um, I, I remember that really vividly. You know, I also have some pretty good memories of of like Mario and 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 Gretzky. You know, maybe those would have been like really early in the '90s. Um, I know Johnny, you weren't born yet for those moments, but uh, you know, th- those are probably the ones that that stick out to me the most. That or when Jeremy Roenick ran uh, was a some European defenseman. I'm pretty sure he like ran him sort of behind the net, and and he was mic'd up too, so it was hysterical. No way. Um, and, and I actually kind of remember Danny Heatley going off in an all-star game one time, yeah, doing, having like five or six goals and he won I like the, that. Uh, that ugly ass Honda. Um, I remember that too. So I guess I kind of remember more than, than I would have thought I did. Yeah. I do remember the Danny Heatley one also. I, I just can't remember like recent years. I feel like there hasn't been. Yeah. Cause the games suck. Yeah. There hasn't been much like They're the John. Scott, yeah. The John Scott I, one's the last one I think I really watched. I, I didn't think that whole thing was cool at all. I really didn't. I thought it was yeah. embarrassing. I, I like no part of me was like, oh, this is hysterical. Like I thought that was r- ridiculous. Yeah, the All Star Game has definitely gone away from what it's. Well, that's how you know it's become a joke when a guy like him is in the All Star Game. Yeah, like, I'm sorry, yeah. and no, and again, no disrespect to him. He played in the NHL. I think he, he knows hard. that too. Yeah. yeah, like he he played hard, he, he fought, he did a lot. You know, again, it's not meant to be disrespectful, but I mean, you know, if there's a few hundred players in the NHL, he would have been the last guy that should have been in the All-Star game. Yeah, but before we get into anything else, we're going to take a little bit of a break here and we are going to talk about the Detroit Red Wings on the other side. So stay tuned, don't go anywhere. My family's very own whiskey, barrel-aged and set apart, marked with VO, artfully blended impeccably crafted as a wedding gift to my son for the bride and groom and now over a century later from our very own family to yours a legacy rooted in whiskey see groom's vo growing deeper reaching out raising a glass to your legacy see groom's vo make it your very own Welcome back to Morning Cup of Hockey. Now we're going to talk about the Detroit Red Wings, who are 7-2-1 and one in their last 10 games. They're in the second wild card spot now in the East, and I feel like no one's really talking about them. As of late, they just sit one point back on Maple Leafs, even though they played two more games than Toronto. So they do have a chance to jump the Leafs tonight, even though the Leafs have games in hand. But Colby, what do you make of the Detroit Red Wings lately? Because they are buzzing. 
Well, they're getting saves in goal. You know, they're, they're getting some consistency back, back in the pipes, which always helps. Um, I also think, look, I think Patrick Kane went down and I think players sort of rallied around that point a little bit. I think everybody thought Kane was going to be the one who came in to propel this team into the playoffs. And, and I think the players in Detroit were very excited. I think to bring cat and I think Larkin, I think those guys were thrilled to get another player like him, Lucas Raymond, um, but you know he came. They, he came in and he performed, but the team started playing really poorly, um, and it took a little bit, a couple of weeks, and then all of a sudden they started to even out. Kane was playing good, the team was playing good, and then he goes down. And I think a lot of times when you lose a superstar player, um, I think players step up their game, and you you get another five or ten percent from uh, a number of players, and I think that aggregates its way up, and and you see a team start to play really well. So. Um, look, I think the Detroit Red Wings are, are finally the team we've been hoping to see, you know, like the Ottawa Senators haven't been and like the Buffalo Sabres haven't been. Give Derek Lalone a lot of credit for, for what he's done. Again, I, I love bringing in Kane. I, I, I think that uh, he's only going to make this team better. He played well before he got injured. Um, I think to bring cat, you know, is, is having a pretty good year, but he's going to score more goals with 88 in the lineup. And I think hockey's better when Detroit is in the playoffs and they're a good team. And, and uh, you know, don't don't count them out, honestly. Like, uh, they're going to put a lot of pressure on the Leafs, I think. I think they're going to put some pressure on Tampa. And they're going to make sure these teams feel heat behind them, Johnny, uh, trying to keep them winning. So um, I haven't seen a lot of them. Like, I've seen little snippets of the way that they played. If you had a chance to get a lot of, like, full, solid viewings on them, I watched a lot of them in the beginning of the year when Larkin and Debrinkat were like leading the league and scoring. They were on fire. They were probably one of the most exciting teams to watch, at least offensively on on the offensive side of the puck. I mean, you know, they were allowing goals, but they were scoring a shit ton. Um, the last couple of games, I tuned in. Larkin had the overtime goal against uh, who was it? Who he scored overtime against? Um, I'm blanking. It was a TN- I think Florida. I think Larkin had the overtime goal against Florida. I watched that game, uh, the Panthers right. and the Red Wings a couple weeks ago. Um, but in his last 10 games, Larkin has nine goals, five assists. I mean, he's on fire. And, you know, you think about the Detroit Red Wings, like this is a team that I grew up watching. Like every highlight I watched before games that I played in, I was watching Datsuk Zetterberg highlights. Like those are the two guys that fired me up like as a player. Um, not that I played anything like them, which I'm sure you're going to trip me about in a second. But, you know, Pavel Datsuk was like, the, the best all-around player in the NHL, as far as like growing up, my, my generation goes, I would say, is that a fair statement? Like, you know, I can't think of a better 200-foot player than Pavel Datsuk from like... Well, one of them. They certainly one of yeah. them. And yeah. and I'll give you this. My my last game in Colorado was at the Joe. Was at the Joe. No way. Um, and and Datsuk was still playing. Um, he played with that Reebok stick that had yep. all those little holes in it. And the O stick. Yeah, and I remember... Uh, I remember... I don't know if it was Johnny Lyles or Adam foot um, kind of pulled me aside and they were like, look, I, I know you're, you're not afraid to, to try to seam a guy on the four check, you know, kind of pass it under a guy's triangle or through his feet. Like you seem to be willing to try to do that. Don't do it against Datsuk because he's better at giving that and then taking it away and, and creating a turnover with a stick than anybody else in the NHL. So I was forewarned. Um, by a couple of those guys who had been in the league a really long time. So um, cer- certainly a, a star player and, and you know, a guy who I, I probably could could 
still lace him up. Anytime you see highlights of him doing anything over on the ice in Russia, you're like, wow, he looks like he could still play. <laughs> yeah, Datsuk was was nasty, but the Red Wings also made the playoffs 25 straight years, and they haven't made the playoffs now since 2016. So that's a that's a city yeah. that's hungry we're, for some playoff hockey. Were you on the Red Wings side of the Avalanche Red Wings rivalry in the 90s, or were you kind of too young? And I'm not I'm not chirping. No, I'm, I'm yeah, just, no. just asking. I literally like don't even remember those series. I was born in '96. Like, mm, I, so yeah, I do remember. Yeah, you wouldn't '96. I do remember loving. Uh, I but my first jersey that I ever had was a Sackick jersey. I loved Joe Sackick, so I would imagine that I would have been on the Colorado side. Um, what about you? Where where'd you stand on that? Abs all the way because um, I was Rapers also hit, a right? ma- massive Joe Sackick fan. Mm-hmm. Um, him and him and John Leclaire were my favorite players. My first team that I played on was the Valley Forge Minutemen uh, here in the Philly area. And I wore 19 because of Joe Sackick. So, um, you know, later in life, I told him a story about the poster I had on my wall as a kid. And my mom had to take the poster down because if you remember those posters when you were kids and you looked at them, it felt like Mm -hmm. the eyes were moving um, and they were staring at you. So like she had to take down my Joe Sackick poster because I was kind of scared when I was a little kid, but I was, <laughs> I was all abs. I was a pretty, I was a huge abs fan. They were my second favorite team growing up and those rivalries and those games. And, and man, I, I could still remember Bill, you know, Gary Thorne and Bill Clement calling those games on yeah. ESPN. Like I said, you probably, you know, you like, these. No, I, the I got some Gary this. Thorne. I got some Gary the, Thorne. The height of this was 1996. So I'm sure Vic is riding with me on this one, but man, those, those were awesome games. There was so much bad blood between those teams. And Jeremiah Maxwell in the chat said the Red Wings Avalanche series is awesome. And shut up, Johnny. I graduated in high school in 96. So uh, <laughs> sorry to make you feel old pal, but uh, we actually have a great question from Shane Bullen. Who's the ultimate hockey's better when they're playing well team. It's a great question. I think I have mine. Let's hear it. Montreal Canadiens. Um, Montreal is, you know, arguably one of the best hockey cities in the entire NHL. Uh, you think back to those Carey Price years, PK Subban, um, you know, the team that was getting to the conference finals when, you know, the Rangers did beat them in 2014, but those Montreal Boston series, you know, Montreal winter classics. Um, you know, you, you watch games at the bell center and that's just a different buzz, right? Like I've actually never been at the place I'd love to go to for a game. But to me, when the Montreal Canadiens are are good, the NHL is certainly in a, in a better place. Yeah, I mean, listen, man, I I played a preseason game there one time, and it was towards the end of preseason, and the place was jammed. Like you wouldn't have thought it was a preseason game uh, with how jammed and the way the pitch on the seats are at the Bell Center. Yeah. Instead of going back, they go up, mm-hmm. and so that you feel like when you have the puck, especially at the corner of the blue line, you can feel the fans kind of like hovering on you. It, 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 it creates a little bit of anxiety and a little bit of stress on the ice. Um, I'm laughing because our producer Vic goes, it's fuck. Cause even I was going to say Montreal and I hate them. <laughs> and, he's a, and, and he, and he's a massive Toronto Maple Leafs yeah. guy. So I'm going to be honest with you. I, I don't know if I have one team in particular, right? I, I think Look, I think it's great when these big Canadian markets climb their way back into the playoffs because of the attention it draws, like the NFL in America, hockey in Canada. But, you know, I think I think it's important for for the Bruins and I think the Rangers and, and I'm going to throw the Flyers in there as well. Mm-hmm. When when 
when the Flyers are a good team and this city's buzzing, you know, I, I remember back to the last time they made a run in 2011, that this city really rallies behind them. Philadelphia, it really is a great sports town. Um, you know, again, I, I'm, I'm more of an Eagles fan these days. I can't really say I am a Flyers fan, but it, it is it is a great sports town. I, I just like seeing these big market teams that draw a lot of eyeballs and a lot of attention. I think it's it's never great when we get these Stanley Cup finals with small markets because then yeah. nobody outside of the small markets and the diehard hockey fans watch. But when you have big name intrigue and big city teams, people just kind of jump on the bandwagon in cities like New York and cities like, you know, Philly, Boston, whatever, LA, you can even say that in the playoffs, people get crazy. And, you know, Minnesota, that's what I'm saying. Like, I I just, I don't have one in particular. And I know I normally have a strong opinion about just about everything, but (laughs) I just don't, I I don't have it. And, and, you know, we'll, we'll kind of see, see who reenters the chat soon with that, you know, team wise. Well, I feel like you said small market Stanley Cup finals as of late. I think last year people weren't as thrilled about the two teams that were in it, but I thought that final was like one of the better one, even though it was five games. I still thought it. Johnny, Johnny, stop. it was a five game final. The games were not that close. Last year was a very disappointing final. You want games that are three, two and two to one all throughout the playoffs because that creates the anxiety in the building where people are on the edge of their seat. They're ready to jump off. Then you can feel that coming through the television, which is why non-hockey fans watch playoff hockey and non-hockey fans will say the best playoffs in all of sports is hockey. So I actually thought last year's playoffs in general was so high scoring and there Mm. were so many lopsided games that it was a little less entertaining. And honestly, the building in Florida in a Stanley cup final, it just doesn't really do it for me. It really doesn't. Well, let's think back to the last 10 years. What do you think the best Stanley cup final was? I, I don't game? know. I don't know. I'm off the top of my head. I'll tell you. I, I'll tell you. It was LA Rangers. Uh, Black, awesome. Five. That was five games. Blackhawks, but three overtimes. Blackhawks, Tampa three, but hold on three overtimes. Yeah. Yep. 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 But, but let me keep going. Blackhawks, Tampa, and I'm going to space off my memory here. Uh, sure. Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, San Jose. Pittsburgh, I mean, Pittsburgh, okay. Nashville. Okay. Washington, Vegas. Blues, Bruins. That series is fucking awesome. That might be mine. Uh, yeah. 2020. That, was, went, that went right to the edge. Yeah. 2020, 2020 was the bubble, bubble. COVID bubble. That was when Tampa won. Yeah. That was Tampa. Was, Can't yeah. even count that one because there's no fans. Fans is what makes the playoffs. Like it's, you know. And Tampa, Montreal was pretty fucking bad too. Like that one was rough. That Not was that close. One year. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah, five that games. Was bad. Yeah, and then 2022 was Avs Tampa, which was. But here's know, was, the thing. Here's the thing. Like you said, right off the top, three overtime games. That's mm-hmm. what you want. Like, yeah. I don't need. Look, I, do I want seven? Yeah, I want seven. Okay, but I want overtime games. I want close games. I want storylines. I want. I mean. You know, I, it's like we, we you know, w- when I was black acing with the Bruins in 2011, you know, we, we lose game one of the Stanley Cup finals, one nothing. And then I think we won, ga- we lost, you know, game two, maybe two nothing or two one. 
Um, I don't remember it was exactly. Overtime. That was the Burroughs yeah. wraparound. Burroughs right. wraparound. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and I, I mean, Chloe Julian was so pissed after that game. We were standing in the locker room waiting for the guys and waiting for the post game. And we were like hiding in the corner. We were like, oh, my God, this is not good. He's going to throw something at us. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, that's what I like. I like tighter games. And there was a couple of loose scores in, in 11. I think we we lit up Lolongo pretty yeah. bad a couple of times in, at the Garden. Um, that's but, where that joke started. Like, what time is it? And it's like seven past the Wongo like that. That's where that yeah. joke started. I think. So, so, I, you know, I just, I didn't think last year was great. I really didn't. I hope this year love to see a Canadian market in the final Love to see a Canadian market in the final. I really would. I think that would be great. Um, I, I, I think, you know, it, it would make for real intrigue if we could have Connor McDavid in the Stanley cup final this year. Like, I think that's something everybody in the world should see. Um, and I'd yeah. love to see him in the final against, you know, uh, the Bruins, the Rangers, uh, you know, one of these, these East teams that are, that are playing well in a major city, a major hub, a major media market. A ma- you know, I, I think all that's very important for the game. Well, let me ask you this. Cause I think a lot of people do want, and even Americans, but I don't know if it'd be good just for viewership in general, but a Leafs Oilers final. Would that be good or bad? I can't, like, I can't tell. Like I personally would love watching it, but I don't know if people in the States would really give a shit. I mean, look, I, I it would be a lot of entertainment. So yeah. as a hockey fan, I think it would be great. It would, it would, I, I don't know what it does to TV ratings. I really don't. You, it, mm-hmm. you do have a lot of the best players in the world. You've got the best player. You've got maybe the best scorer. Um, you've got, two meccas you've got the old you know the 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 old oilers teams you know so i i do think there'd be a lot of intrigue for hockey fans um you know playing in that and the other thing you 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 want to keep in mind and and i think patrick kane is the best american hockey player of all time but um i I do think austin matthews is gonna sniff and he's gonna he's gonna He's going to give him a run for his money. Now he's going to need to win a lot of Stanley cups because Patrick Kane has won a lot of Stanley cups, but he's certainly a guy that American hockey fans should, should be tuned into at all times. So um, we'll see what happens. I I don't see that happening. I don't think the, the, I don't think Toronto is a serious contender. I think Edmonton is, but I don't think Toronto is. Yeah, I agree. And I think Matthews is definitely the best American goal scorer of all time. Probably now. Yeah. Oh, listen, right now he's the best American. No, no, even, even, yeah. 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 But I still, I still don't think he, he, he's, he's got it on Kane. I I just don't. I think okay. Maybe goal score. Sure. But I just, we're talking hockey player right now. So, Mm -hmm. and I think Patrick Kane, he he owns that crown and, and I, I don't know if it's close right now. Yeah. I agree. And, uh, you know, just to wrap up the show today, cause we got to get going here. We both got flights to Toronto. I can't believe Kobe's going back to the airport after just getting home from the airport, but there are still three games tonight. The Ottawa senators are in Detroit, which we talked about a little bit earlier, taking on the red wings, the LA Kings who are still struggling, have a big game themselves in Nashville tonight after Nashville blew a three, nothing leading against senators. So they're going to look for a bounce back. And then the San Jose sharks and Anaheim ducks to cap it off tonight. I will definitely be sound asleep for that one. I won't be tuning into that game. What about you? You're going to be sound asleep tonight. I thought you'd have some plans tonight in Toronto. I thought you'd be hanging out. With we got a, a we got dinner. Kids. Yeah. But after that, you're not going to go hang out with a bunch of YouTube kids. I did get invited to play some pond hockey tonight, but I think we're still going to be eating dinner. So I don't know if I can bail on that. You and freezer tart are going to go, uh, <laughs> go do shots at the bar with, uh, with some upper deckies. <laughs> we got to clip that. <laughs> 
Uh, I hope to do that. That'd be a lot of fun, but I can't wait to see you in uh, in a couple hours here. I'm really excited. Um, thank you everybody for tuning into the chat today and saving my ass for the first five minutes while Kobe was in traffic. Three minutes, and, uh, three. I was on at nine 33. Get it, get it right, buddy. We were panicking this morning. I woke up to a text from Kobe at like six. Hey guys, like, I don't know if I'm going to make it or whatever. Like, like you might have to do it without me. I don't know. Um, which was a tough way to wake up for me, but, uh, any final thoughts before we wrap it up? No final thoughts. See everybody right. in Toronto. We'll be live together live. I might actually hit you if you say something stupid tomorrow because you're going to be sitting right next to me. <laughs> okay. We'll see. Uh, thanks. For I mean, thing, everybody. It's going to be kind of awesome. Let's go. <laughs>